Well, good morning. Welcome to our morning worship service here at Elgin Baptist Church. As you join in with us, it is my prayer that together as we praise the Lord in song, we might have our hearts and minds opened to what he has got to say to us through his word. We continue to live in days of difficulties, days of restriction, but we give thanks that God's word is neither chained nor is it restricted. And we are very grateful for these opportunities of sharing with you. I'd like to read from God's word this morning as it is found in Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God our God will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Our opening hymn takes up the psalmist's call, the psalmist's prayer, that the peoples may praise God most high. May the peoples praise you. And our second hymn invites us to come behold the wondrous mystery. Let's unite together in prayer. Dear God and Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you that as we come, we have access into your most holy presence. We acknowledge that you are the one true living God, that there is no God like Jehovah. And we confess before you our sins and our shortcomings. And we thank you that your word tells us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us. We thank you that the forgiveness of sins was accomplished through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he willingly paid the price for our salvation. And we thank you that neither death nor the grave could hold him. We thank you that, Lord Jesus, you rose again. We thank you that you ascended on high. We thank you that even now you are interceding for us. And Lord, we thank you that one day you will come in all your glory. Lord, we come to ask for your help in the situations that we find ourselves in. We continue to pray regarding the coronavirus. Once again, this past week, we, we have seen uh, a huge spike in, in, in many new cases. Uh, we hear, uh, even on the news, of the, uh, the possibilities of, of, of further restrictions, Lord. And Lord, we, we look back over these past six months and we see the havoc that this virus has caused. And, and we long, Lord, for an end to it. We thank you that you are the all-powerful God and, and we do pray for the eradication of this virus. We pray for those who 
who have been affected by it in, in whatever way, Lord. Whether that is uh, in a health-wise or, or, or whether that is uh, through their work or, or whatever it might be, Lord. We, we, we think on those who, who are, are lonely, those who uh, haven't seen loved ones for, for many, many months. Lord, we, we just long uh, for the whole thing to be over and, and, and we just bring that situation to you. We pray for those in, in authority, for those in government, for those advising them, that you would give them great wisdom and discernment. But Lord, we, we thank you that, that we can continue to sing your praises. We thank you that we can continue to, to look at your word. And as we come to you this morning, we just pray that you would meet with us wherever we are, Lord, uh, wherever we're listening into this service. We pray, Lord, that, that you would be with us, that, that you would enable us to, to truly worship and praise you as, as you so rightly and richly deserve. And Lord, we come and we just ask all of these things in and through the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, boys and girls, good morning to you. I trust that you have all had a good week. I wonder if you, like me, like to hear good news. Well, this past week, I got good news. Actually, I got two bits of good news. Good news that isn't just for me, but actually includes the whole church. And the first bit of good news was when at long last it seems that everything has been sorted out and everything all been well, the church will soon have a new building. Not a brand new building, but the building across the road from where the church is. And although there is a lot of work to be done in it and a lot of work to it, I'm really excited about all the opportunities that it is going to give to us. The second piece of good news is that come the first Saturday in October, after more than six months of not being able to meet, Jam is going to restart. And I hope, boys and girls, that you're really looking forward to it. I know that Emma and Joyce are busy putting all the preparations together. When we hear good news, it's the right thing to do to share. And as I thought about sharing these two good news stories, so I remembered the greatest news of all. News that is really worth sharing. News that is really worth getting excited about. And that is the good news, that is the great news that Jesus loves us. And when we put our trust in Jesus... When we come to Jesus and we say sorry for all the wrong things that we've done, he forgives us and he becomes like our best friend and we begin to know what life should be really like. And we have all kinds of different promises that are ours. We won that, that one of the great promises is that one day we will live with Jesus forever. Well, we're going to sing about that now. We're going to sing a little song that tells us, invites us to take Jesus as our saviour. And it tells us of one of the great promises that I've got a home in glory land. So let's sing that lovely little chorus. I've got a home in glory land. 
We continue our studies in First Thessalonians. So I want to uh, encourage you to turn with me, please, in your Bible to First Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'm going to read uh, the first 12 verses. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins, as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Amen. May God bless not just the reading, but our understanding of his word as we come to it in a little moment. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 11, we read these words. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. We need, don't we? the constant leading and guiding of God through his word by the Holy Spirit. And our next hymn speaks of that. He leadeth me. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to you, we ask that you would be with us as we turn now to your word, that you would give us ears to hear and a willingness to respond. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Paul, like many preachers ever since, begins chapter 4 with that little word, finally, and then what he does is he goes on for another two chapters. And in so doing, he is teaching the church at Thessalonica how to live in order to please God and to keep them right in regards to the Lord's return. We saw last week of how he prayed for that which was lacking in their faith. That that would be supplied to them. That their love would grow. That they might be blameless and holy. And now what he is doing in the verses that we read, he teaches them the how-to of these things. 
You see, the prayer in verses 12 and 13 of the previous chapter is now outworked, is now explained in verses 3 and following regarding holiness and in verse 9 in relation to love. You see, Paul never just leaves us to get on with something without showing us the how-to. And there are three things that I want us to notice from these verses. Three things that I trust and I pray will help us all in living for God. In verses 3 to 8, he speaks about holiness. In verses 9 and 10, he speaks about harmony. And in verses 11 to 12, he speaks about honesty. Holiness, harmony, and honesty. However, before we look at them in more detail, notice how from verses 1 and 2, what Paul does is he both encourages and he exhorts them to live in order to please God. He speaks of how he instructed them. He speaks of how actually they were already doing as they should. But he says, do it more and more. Don't assume, don't become complacent. Keep loving more and more. Keep growing more and more. And I guess that challenge is there for all of us. Are we living in such a way that pleases God? There is no doubting that the Thessalonians were making steady progress in their walking and in their living with God, but they still had more to learn. And so Paul, despite being unable to be with them, is still wanting to minister to them and to encourage them and to exhort them to keep going on. And brothers and sisters, it is important to see that this was not just any instruction. It was instruction that is given by the authority of the Lord Jesus. You see, we need to remember that when one speaks the word of God, it is authoritative. It is authoritative not primarily because of who is speaking, the messenger, but of whose message it is. As we saw before, it is the very word of God. And the word that Paul uses here for instruction was used in Paul's day for, for a military command or, or for a magistrate's order. That is, it was to be obeyed. So as we look at these verses, we do well to remind ourselves of that. that this is not me just making up things. This is just not me bringing my views or, or hobby horses or, or whatever. This is what the word of God says. And if we want to live in order to please God, then we need to take this instruction and all instruction and all teaching seriously. And, and I assure you, brother, sister, that applies equally so to speaker as well as hearer. So let us see how we can please God. Which is, as I, as I have said before, is a truly remarkable statement that, that we can bring pleasure to God. Well, we can. 
And Paul tells us in three ways in which we can. And the first thing that he speaks of is a call to holiness. Paul's prayer was that they might be blameless and holy. And in verses 3 through to verses 8, he tells us how that holiness can be achieved. And he reminds them and he would remind us that it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Quite often people will say, I wonder what God's will is for me. Well, here's one of the thing, reasons, here's one of the things of, that God's will for you, is that you should be sanctified. Sanctification is that ongoing process in every believer. It is a progressive work. It is about us becoming more sanctified. It is about us becoming more holy. I, I really like Wayne Grudman's definition of sanctification when he says this. Sanctification is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. That's a good ambition to have. More and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. You see, friends, our salvation, our justification is all of God. It's all of God. We were thinking of that on Thursday night from Colossians 1 at the prayer meeting. But our sanctification calls on us to play our part. It's not about, don't, don't misunderstand me, and it's not about sinless perfection that that won't be till our glorification however we are to strive towards holiness and while sanctification and while holiness is about if you like the whole of our christian life here in these verses paul is focusing on a single aspect of it namely sexual morality this topic would have been vitally important and significant to, to those who would have been converted for, from the pagan culture in which they lived in, in the in the greco-roman world and society of the day sexual immorality was rife not unlike it is today and paul is calling on them Paul is commanding them instructing them that now that they are Christians they are to avoid all sexual immorality they are to learn to control their bodies in a way that is holy and honorable and they must not take advantage and they must not wrong their brother they must not wrong or take advantage of their brother or their sister and he reminds them he reminds them that actually God will punish those who indulge in such immorality. See, friends, the instruction to avoid sexual immorality is as important today as it was then. We live, do we not, in a, in a society where, where it seems everything and anything goes and as Christians we need to have a clear biblical understanding regarding sexual behaviour 
And we need not, indeed we must not be embarrassed either by the subject itself nor its teachings. For brothers and sisters, if we do not take our lead and if we do not teach our children and our grandchildren what Scripture teaches us, then where will they take it from? Where, where will we take it from? We have seen, have we not, a gradual erosion of, of the biblical definitions regarding marriage, regarding gender, regarding sex. And ask yourself, is society any the better for it? I would argue no. We affirm as Christians that sex is a gift given by God to be used in the context of a heterosexual marriage. And anything, anything outside of that is sin. And like all sin, it will face punishment. And married or not, we are to control our bodies. That means we are to be careful what we watch. That means we are to be careful where we go. That means we are to be careful what we do. And in the multimedia age in which we live, we have to be extra vigilant. We are, sorry, we are bombarded, are we not, from all sides, with all kinds of temptations. Standards have slipped alarmingly. What in, in, in my younger days may, may have been a, a, a kind of 18 X-rated film due to, to sexual content or other content is kind of now there for all we see. And as Christians, we are not to be, as John Stott says, puritanical and prudish regarding sex. But we are to affirm that in its right and proper context, it is one of God's gifts. And while this teaching may not be popular in many areas of society today, that does not make it any the less true. Brothers and sisters, Christianity, living for Jesus, is not about popularity. It is about purity. Let me say that again. Living for Jesus is not about popularity. It is about purity. And that's the point that verse 7 is making. We also see from verse 8 that whoever, whoever rejects this clear teaching is not rejecting man. You're not rejecting what I say. It's not my teaching. It is God's word, and ultimately it is to him we all have to answer to. And we all have got to examine ourselves in the light of it. Whether married or not, how are you progressing in holiness?
because God has not called us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And that is what pleases him. A call to holiness. Secondly, we see a call to harmony. Verses 9 and 10. Paul, in these verses, speaks further on something that he has already been greatly encouraged by what he has seen and heard in, in this church and how they're acting. And that is the love that they have for one another. You, you may recall how Timothy brought back the report that the good news concerning not just their faith was strong, but that their love for one another was strong. And Paul has prayed and Paul is praying that their love may increase and may overflow for each other and for everyone else. Indeed, Paul says to them, actually, about brotherly love, actually, you don't even, I, I don't need to write to you about it. Because you yourselves have been taught by God. You love all the brothers. They're already doing it. And Paul was just encouraging them to do it more and more. They were already living in harmony. They were loving one another. And all Paul is doing here is urging them and encouraging them to do it more and more, to, to keep at it. The word that Paul uses here for love is Philadelphia, not to get mixed up with the cheese, is a love of deep affection. As in a kind of brother-sister love. As in a friendship. Even a marriage. That is the type of love that Paul is calling us to. You see there was no room for complacency. Yes they loved one another. But Paul is saying keep on doing it. You see brothers and sisters as Christians. We belong to the same family. We are brothers. We are sisters. We have the same God. We have the same father. And interestingly, Paul says that they were taught by God. A phrase that we find in Isaiah 54 verse 13, and which John in his gospel repeats it in chapter 6 and verse 45. And in both of these instances, it speaks of and it assumes the existence of a relationship with God as Father. God has taught us. God has instructed us. God has commanded us to love one another. Uh, Warren Wearsby in, in one of his books describes how God as in Father, Son and Holy Spirit has taught us, indeed actually demonstrated what love is. In John 1, sorry, 1 John 4, 19, we read that we love because he, God, First loved us. In John 13 verse 34, Jesus taught us to love one another as he has loved us. And in Romans 5 and verse 5, the Holy Spirit taught us when he poured the love of God into our hearts. Yet how, how do we do as Paul instructs, how do we love more and more? Well, brothers and sisters, we work at it. We see others as Jesus sees them. 
We remember we are one family. And just like family members, yes, we differ. But love, a Trinitarian love, a love that is rooted in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, will equip us and enable us to live and love in such a way that pleases God. If we want to live to please God, then we need to pursue holiness and we need to protect the harmony. Finally, we see the call to honesty. What is your ambition? I don't think there is anything wrong with having an ambition, although I guess what it is focused on and how we set out to achieve it is what really matters. For instance, if all we are interested in, if it is our ambition to, uh, that, that is driven purely by position and power and prestige and kind of nobody is going to get in our way, then as Christians, I think we need to realign our ambition. Surely our ambition is, as Paul has been outlining, is to live lives of purity and of love. And he has been speaking thus far in these verses, kind of in a marriage context and within a fellowship context. Now, see what he does here? Now he speaks of pleasing God by how we react to outsiders. And he gives to them three further instructions. Lead a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your hands. What does he mean by this? Is it, for instance, a call to almost, as it were, become spiritual recluses? A holy huddle? No, I, I don't think it is. But it is a call to live a life of honesty. It is a call to live a life of integrity. In order that those whom Paul describes as outsiders, that is, those who ha as yet have not come to faith, might see how we live and how we act. And in doing so, they may see something of Jesus in us and be drawn to him. There's a good ambition. That by how we live and how we act towards one another and towards others may be a magnet to draw others to Jesus. challenging isn't it to live a quiet life is not to stay mute it is to know peace in our hearts and our minds to mind your own business is well to mind your own business <laughs> not go prying into others and to work with your hands means not to rely on others to provide for yourselves. We have here an image of, as, as one writer says, virtue, peace, tranquility, and security. Brothers and sisters, in all of these verses, Paul is giving clear instructions for community conduct. Be that in the home, 
be that in the church or be that in the wider community and all with the goal of living to please God. You see, whether we like it or not, the world is watching. And how we conduct ourselves as Christians in regards towards sex, in regards towards each other, in regards towards work and towards outsiders, acts or should act as a witness. Are you living to please God? As I said before, Christianity following Jesus is not about popularity. It's about purity. And here in these verses, Paul gives us three ways that we can live our lives in such a way that pleases God. We are to desire holiness. We are to display harmony. And we are to display honesty. Father, we ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would make us such a people. We ask that we might live our lives individually and congregationally in such a way that pleases you. O oh Lord, give us this day and all our days a desire for holiness, harmony, and honesty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our final hymn this morning reminds us that there is indeed a way that we can know and that we can find and that we can stand forgiven. And that is at the cross. Oh, to see the dawn. Lord, we thank you that forgiveness in all of its fullness is found in Jesus. For he took the blame and he bore the cost. He, it was he who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised its shame, defeated death and the grave and ever lives and one day will come in all of his glory. May we know, may we all know that forgiveness and may now grace mercy and peace from father son and holy spirit rest upon us until he comes or calls amen well thank you once again for joining with us this morning once again if you would like to know more about us as a church or much more importantly what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then please do get in contact with us. Details will appear on the screen. But uh, once again, thank you and may God bless you.